This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's coming up to 7.47 right now. Melissa, Joyce and Chuang bringing you the top business stories of the day. Uh, but first, let me tell you what's coming up on The Breakfast Grill. Today, uh, Joyce, you're going to be speaking to Dr. Patrick Yong, who is the CEO of Malaysia Smelting Corporation. Uh, and they're one of the world's largest suppliers of tin and uh, smelters in the world. Yeah, and um, today, did you know that tin is almost in, I mean, it's in everything is in smartphones to cars, from food packaging to solar cells. Tin is in smartphones? Yeah. So we're going to talk oh. to him about the tin business, understand that. And did you know that Malaysia smelting um, th- th- has been around for over a decade? 121 years old. Yeah. Is this really old? Yeah. yeah. Yes. But your earnings are not doing that well. It's actually falling. It's actually trending down a lot. So we're going to talk to him about his earnings and, and how they're going to rejuvenate this really old business and to understand the whole tin business as well. Okay, so that's coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Stay tuned for The Breakfast Grill with Dr. Patrick Yong of Malaysia Smelting Corporation. All right, there seems to be a, a bit of a theme going on in uh, the corporate business news uh, this morning, guys. It seems to be um, corruption-themed or corruption-related. Now, uh, let's take a quick look at some of these stories. Uh, IPIC is making headlines. So IPIC, which is Abu Dhabi's sovereign wealth fund uh, or the International Petroleum Investment Company, they are now suing Goldman Sachs for its role in 1MDB. So IPIC says that the uh, 1MDB scandal caused it significant financial exposure exposure and losses. This was, um, uh, I guess, uh, exposed in a filing uh, with the New York State Courts yesterday where IPIC alleged that Goldman conspired with individuals from Malaysia to bribe two former IPIC executives. So the hammer continues to fall for Goldman Sachs. And in the wake of the interview that we had with uh, Lim Guaneng and the fact that the finance minister of Malaysia went public with the fact that he wants to reclaim back the $600-odd million in bond fees that Goldman Sachs made from Malaysia, uh, Goldman stock dropped the most in seven years yeah, at the time. Six and a half uh, within right. intraday. Yeah. Mm. So tra- Goldman used to trade percent. about yeah. Goldman stock used to trade at about two hundred and seventy dollars a share. Now it's one hundred and ninety three. It's down twenty four percent on the year. And basically, this basically comes from three bond deals that have helped to arrange, um, essentially to buy the power assets from Ananda Krishnan, to buy uh, assets from Gunting as well, and also to buy I think some real estates uh, in, in in Penang. Um, yes, and, that's yeah, right. In Aita and Penang. That's right. So the, the, the problem is we don't know. I mean, Goldman's, this late, latest lawsuit is not specified in terms of how much damages IPIC wants. And that uncertainty is really driving Goldman Sachs shareholders around the bend. And guess what? Warren Buffett's one of the Goldman shareholders. Oh. Mm. Well, what we know is what IPIC has, is alleging and in their filing, they're saying that Goldman conspired with individuals from Malaysia to bribe two former IPIC executives. And the alleged bribery was intended to further Goldman and 1MDB's interests at the expense of IPIC and its subsidiary Abar Investments, PGS. So these executives, I think there are two of them, that is Kadim Abdullah Al-Khwazbazi, that's the former MD of IPIC and former chairman of Abar Investments, and also Muhammad Ahmad Badawi Al-Husseini, who is the former CEO of Abar. 
Right. So, you know, uh, do you remember there was that settlement, right, between IPIC and um, 1MDB, I think it was last year. So um, Tommy Thomas announced last month that Malaysia will seek to invalidate that settlement and claim compensation for the amounts already paid. Now, it turns out that IPIC has also said in these uh, New York filings that they pl- they're planning to stand their ground when it comes to the settlement and they will um, they will go against Putrajaya's attempt to invalidate this uh, this settlement. This was regarding that the, the bond payments, right? Yeah, I mean, the culture of greed and profiteering at Goldman Sachs is legendary. It prompted even the Rolling Stone, the August Rolling Stone magazine to write a full uh, several-page article back in the day about the vampire squid. You love that, that article. You're Sachs always is. citing that yeah, article. It is true. <laughs> I've met Goldman Sachs executives. I know how uh, oriented towards profit they are. Well, okay. So in other kind of... Um, uh, corruption-related stories, we have a comment made by the Kepung MP Lim Lip Ing, who's asking the Malaysian Institute of Accountants about the status of its investigation into Deloitte Malaysia over the handling of the 1MDB audit. So speaking to reporters, uh, Lim Lip Ing said that the top executives of Deloitte had defended their work when they testified to the Public Accounts Committee back in 2015. And Lim is now saying that, look, we all know now that the defences were false, so we call upon MIA to take action. Virtually Deloitte resigned as 1MDB's auditor in July 2016. And earlier in that month, that was when, remember, the US Department of Justice had filed a civil forfeiture complaint against the investment fund. That's a 1MDB. And uh, in this, in that same month, uh, they announced, Deloitte announced that uh, its audited reports of 1MDB's finances from 2013 and 2014 could no longer be relied on. So they claim that the complaint contained information which is known in 2013 and 2014 would have affected the audit. So the problem is Deloitte uh, actually verified the accounts for 2013 and 2014 financial years for 1MDB with an unqualified opinion without any qualification or, or emphasis on the matter. So basically they said it was okay and it was good to go. Now the US Department of Justice is saying it's not the case and there's some information that could, could have been in there. So right now Deloitte also is also facing some hammer falling of their own. What what kind of repercussions could that be? So, you know, what kind of jurisdiction of or, or punishable powers would the MIA have? Well, I guess we'll have to see, but the thing is in this in this instance what Deloitte is saying is that after DOG came out with all that information, then only they say, oh, our auditor accounts of 1MDB can no longer be relied ah, on. So, so you it's see, timing, it, yeah, it? it's mm-hmm. the timing. So because of that, I guess it, it will depend on the investigation. If MIA does an investigation, have to look at the timing of uh, and and of the audit and when the information came out, did they know about the information? Did the auditors know about the information prior to what DOJ? Oh, so so looking at it with I guess a finer tooth comb. We have a message from Chan Ong from Shah Alam uh, on WhatsApp uh, with regards to the IPIC discussion. What happened to the payment made to the wrong ABBA? What happened to that? Uh, Chan, your guess is as good as mine, but I'm guessing that probably went to property and art and. You know, and super yachts. Monet's monies and uh, EMI shares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move on and, and still on this theme of corruption. Um, Anti-graph system for high-risk department um, is the title in the Edge Financial Daily today. This is regarding the National Anti-Corruption Plan, which Tun Dr. Mahathir uh, yesterday announced that after a special cabinet committee on anti on anti-corruption. And on an anti-corruption meeting, he announced that the National Anti-Corruption Plan will be launched in January. So this is um, 
the idea is to strengthen the government's uh, management system, governance and anti-corruption initiatives. Yeah, in the same announcement, uh, Tu Mahathir said, said that Malaysia will be the first country in the world to implement the International Standards Organization, that's ISO, anti-corruption certification system in the public sector. Okay, so I think it's very important to realize what this what this is what this ISO means. ISO three seven zero zero one. Okay, um, while it mandates a series of measures, for example, um, anti bribery policies, risk assessments, due diligence on projects and business associates, it is there is a high degree of um, discretion uh, within its measures. For example, the use of words like appropriate and reasonable. Mm-hmm. So the impact of this particular certification is largely dependent on how strict and thorough the people who are manning those standards um, uh, implement in their own de- decision-making. Mm. So, so I, when you give discretion, it's up to the person using the discretion to implement it or not. So it can be subjective. Sounds pretty subjective. It can be subjective. That's the problem. Mm. So, so but it's a lot better than what it used to be, so which is having, nothing. Like. Well, having this kind of ISO, do you think it's, it's you know, there are kind of checks and balances, uh, an SOP in place, yeah. and that will help tremendously yeah. with not just perception, but also, you know, you have these kind of safeguards. So you stop the little, you know, malfeasance will happen uh, if, if it wants to happen. But what you do is with these kinds of standards is you stop the collusion at every level, right? Yeah. And yeah. perhaps at some level it could stop uh, at, at one of the levels and then you catch it at, at those levels right so I'm actually encouraged with this although I have to say though every, like everything with Malaysia it boils down to implementation are we able to execute this mm-hmm. well yeah it's very important that you say that because Mahathir also said yesterday that um, the level of people complicit in corruption in the government runs in the thousands and you know you might have a top leadership that believes in these principles but you've also got to have your, your second liners and your third liners and your fourth liners mm-hmm. also following the same line. We also have news that Professor Dr. Sundra Raju has resigned as Director of the Asian International Arbitration Centre, or AIAC, following an MACC corruption. And this is for alleged misconduct, uh, including the use of public funds to influence ministers to get his contract as the AIAC Director extended. So AIAC is an international hub for dispute resolution services available for individuals and companies. This is previously known as the KLRCA. That's mm. the Kuala Lumpur Regional Centre of Arbitration. Yeah, yeah they so changed their name because they wanted to expand regionally the, as well. The KLRCA is very important when it comes to telling, well, asking foreign corporations to invest in Malaysia because they it's say... It's about the rule of law. It's about the rule of mm. law. Uh, for example, with a, for when a foreign MNC has a grounds with a local corporation or uh, a local dispute, it is then sent to the KLRC, the KLRCA to arbitrate. And now, if the top brass at the KLRC is allegedly involved in corruption, I think the, the assertion is that he used public funds, government funds, to extend his term of service. Then, um, again, that's quite disconcerting. Well, this is really interesting, right? Because uh, according to the Malaysian Insight, Sundra was arrested on Tuesday by MACC after he turned himself in. And then he was released uh, because the courts had actually denied MACC its seven-day remand application. Why? Because Sundra apparently has diplomatic immunity. I didn't know this, but uh, apparently uh, he has uh, diplomatic immunity because it's linked to some of his high-profile legal uh, roles. 
He's also on the FIFA Ethics Board. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, the Global Football Federation. Exactly. He's on the Ethics Committee. So actually, he was flying in from Zurich at the time when he was detained. And now he's no longer being remanded because of exactly that diplomatic immunity. Mm. He has been the AIAC director for nine years prior to this arrest. And, you know, the catalyst for the investigation was an anonymous letter addressed to MECC. And it, it was, was a poison pen letter. Mm, copied mm. to the AG, copied the Inspector the General, everybody. Foreign Minister so got, mm. got, got, got CC'd in this letter. While we're at it, can we talk about the fact that Carlos Ghosn, the, from Nissan, once the legendary from Nissan? CEO of both Nissan and Renault. So this guy, Carlos Ghosn, I think he's Lebanese, Brazilian, French or something, right? He was instrumental. Can't remember. Roger. All through. Okay. All three. He was instrumental in bringing the partnership of this French and automaker and, and, and Japanese automaker t- together, right? It's not a full-blown consolidation because I think I think Renault owns 43% in Nissan. Nissan in turn owns 15% in uh, Renault, and up until his um, basically being hauled up by Nissan for financial mismanagement, alleged, I think he was accused of um, underreporting his, his salary. Uh, salary and uh, using company assets. He was trying to put together a full-blown merger of both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets a bit weird, because apparently the Nissan, the Japanese Nissan side don't want the merger to happen, because under the current ownership structure, the Japanese are, 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 are undermined by the larger ah, French makers' interests, right? So, okay. so you think yeah. there could be a conspiracy to this? I don't know. This? I don't know. This way it well, gets a bit weird. Well, Trong, later today, Nissan's nine board member will be voting on whether to dismiss Carlos Ghosn as chairman. He was arrested on Monday. So I think board members are divided, saying that they have been given too little detail on his alleged financial crimes. But according to Japanese media reports, I think his custody will be extended by a further 10 days. So we don't really know what's happening, mm, except they were operating in a vacuum. This is, I guess, uh, you know, a, a tussle really happening right at the highest of the corporate levels of the, the global you know, uh, multinational corporations. And I think it's quite interesting to keep a close eye on this. Uh, we'll keep you abreast, of course, of all the latest developments when it comes to what's happening there in Nissan. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.